0: administrative
1: business mm-hmm so uh, I've I've received a, someone slid up in our DMS
0: in a sexy way
1: no I'm sure they thought it was sexy oh, no but I I was not very sexy at, with this situation uh, so someone do someone slid up and I'll not say their Twitter handle or whatever but they were like hello my new friend i feel like you are my new friend and then they went on to say would you like to see what would you like to see my real horror movie but real as an r-e-e-l so i was like okay. is, is that the name is that the name of your movie like what what are you talking about then they uh the messages were quite disjointed but then eventually they're like so and so is the first one to step into the golden house do you want to seem the first victim of the golden house and then it became more and more Mm. intense and eventually i'm like it's starting to feel just a little bit like you're a murderer
0: yeah i mean what i'm hoping at this point is that it's it's just a second language english speaker trying to describe a film um, yeah like us like we do
1: yeah, yeah, hey. But then also like this person was carrying on about victims and saying things about uh, the family. And you know, just like classic horror movie one-liners, Yeah. but also very poorly spelled and very, they seemed kind of manic while doing this. And I was just like, okay, cool. This is, this is clearly someone's game, right? Yeah. This is someone's idea of fun, and then I just stopped replying because I was like, "Man, if it's fun, whatever you do, you." But if this person is gonna send me a snuff film, I'm not gonna. I don't want. I'm not don't want gonna
0: it. give it a good rating.
1: No, I'm not gonna review a it. One on out of podcast. five. Uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then also we we got our first uh, Twitter troll, and they made up uh, their like uh, their own little hashtag for us.
0: Yeah, what hashtag be disgusting or what?
1: Yeah, it was it was so clever. Literally, hashtag be disgusting. Um, so Twitter's been fun.
0: Good. Yeah, Facebook has been quiet uh, as yeah, usual. Yeah,
1: I think uh, what a lot of other podcasts do is they have like a competition or something, mm. and then people do interact because. But what would be the prizes that we? Like what do we have
0: That the people want
1: (laughs) Other than our amazing personalities Which they listen to Um, Yeah we're just giving that away uh, for free Yeah you see And that's the problem Because that's the only thing of value that I have (laughs) It's my personality And here it is (laughs) It's for free So I guess that brings us To the end of the Social media update podcast hour
0: yeah um let's move on to our b-side podcast giallo bellied uh where we talk about giallo movies all the time without stopping uh giallo from dusk till dawn and then from dawn till dusk all day yeah every day
1: uh we have done quite a bit of giallo and i think I think the universe is trying to tell us something Uh, because the way that we pick episodes is we've got a true random number generator and a list of movies and I just sort of let the universe pick and Mm. for some reason it keeps on picking giallo.
0: But that's, you know what, I'm kind of okay with that. I really, the giallos have been some of my faves uh, so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'll probably get like a really schlocky episode next uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll announce the next episode at the end of this episode. Ooh. But first, welcome to Be Positive, the positive B movie podcast, with your glorious hosts, Fraser and Louie. Uh. And Louie. Uh, welcome, Louie. Welcome back.
0: Thanks, Fraser. No one's called me glorious, uh, I think, ever in my life, ever.
1: Uh, I, I do believe I've called you glorious before. You might have. Yeah, so today's movie is... Uh, you probably know because you listened to last week's episode. And you saw the title. And you saw the title. Uh, we're doing Short Night of Glass Dolls. Yes. Uh, very early giallo film. Um,
0: and also... Okay, so giallo titles are quite often like pretty convoluted and, and dumb. This one yeah. may be one of the most convoluted and most dumb.
1: yeah at first glance it seems like it's really clever and like well thought out Um, and the original title uh, I don't know Italian title or whatever Mm, that was released released on uh, was short night of the butterflies which makes more sense now
0: see it makes a lot more sense
1: Mm, because there are no glass dolls in this movie
0: not a single one
1: Unless you assume that the human psyche itself is a glass doll.
0: You know what they say, people in glass dolls shouldn't throw short nights. The old Italian yeah. saying that my grandmama would would <laughs> t- 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 say.
1: <laughs> Your Italian grandmama. <laughs> my
0: Italian grandmama. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: short Night of Glass Dolls is the first film by director giallo director aldo Lado, which is a Eldo great name, Lado
0: that his his name is uh, an anagram of his surname or other the other way around
1: it's sort of like tony nanonan from <laughs> hellraiser five yeah or
0: bob blah. it's
1: one of those things. blah 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 let's do a quick synopsis short night of glass dolls follows a uh, american journalist uh, American and big shush shush swishy air quotes because yeah. this is clearly not an American actor. American journalist Gregory Moore, who is in Prague during the, I don't know, the communist.
0: Yeah, this the film was era. released just a couple of years after the Prague Spring, where in communist forces forcibly took back control of of the city. But this seems to be a very westernized Prague
1: um, yeah it's very co- cosmopolitan yeah
0: yeah that's them <laughs>
1: uh, it's <laughs> my vocabulary <laughs> it's,
0: um, is really letting me down today
1: I've forgotten how to speak English today I saw a dog and I was like ooh a ghost <laughs> um, <laughs> I' be mean, that's, that's a side effect of living in China but all right so Gregory Moore. We find Gregory Moore when uh, one of Odin's ravens, not literally, just I assume all ravens are Odin's ravens. I think is I, I, sort of cool call- Yeah, of course. And he's sort of cawing at this caretaker dude who's sweeping a square. And the caretaker's like, what's up, Mr. Raven? Uh, and he finds Gregory Moore's lifeless body, uh, eyes open, staring up into the sky and listens for a heartbeat. No heartbeat. So. Gregory Moore, clearly dead. He says that, Gregory Moore, this guy is dead. And we hear Gregory Moore's inside voice saying, I'm not dead, I'm alive. I'm a living man.
0: It's a really Uh, good impression. We're gonna get a copyright strike on that.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, I've been working on my impressions. Uh, Gregory gets taken to a hospital where a nurse quickly announces him dead on arrival. Despite the fact that he's been dead for several hours uh, You know, they can't find a pulse or anything, but rigor mortis has not set in and Then we sort of get hit by these flashbacks because Gregory is sort of he's trying to figure out what the hell is going on Why is he in this uh, semi catatonic state? He's fully conscious. He's fully aware, but he can't move. He can't breathe his heart's not beating You know for all intents and purposes. He's dead but his mind is still still active. So he, he tries to figure it out. And we're, we get taken on a series of flashbacks. Where Gregory has to try and reconstruct the previous night. Uh, or the previous yeah. week of his life. To figure out how he ended up.
0: But yeah. This movie basically starts with him on the slab at the morgue. Uh, record scratch. You're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically the beginning of this poll. So then we jump back and we properly meet the characters. We've got uh, Greg, Gregory Moore, uh, his colleague and drunken best friend Jacques uh, and their other colleague and kind of looks like there's a little tension between her and Greg, uh, Jessica.
1: A lot of tension.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which spirals.
1: Touching tension.
0: Yeah then uh, Greg they're all working in the office doing things and then he has to go pick up uh, his girl Myra Mira
1: I heard, I had it as Mira
0: Mira right no I think it is Mira and they go to this like lush party with all these Prague elites you know doctors and academics and business owners and whoever and a pianist and a pianist and yeah no we'll we'll talk about like detailed stuff later i guess but yeah so uh, according to jacques the people who hang out there are politicians bankers and perverts and it is at this party where things start getting a little weird what's the weirdest thing about the party that jumps to your
1: mind uh well i would have to say uh jacques I don't even want to say female companion. Just this sort of blonde hippie girl that's standing right mm-hmm. by him, and she's not reacting to anything. She yeah. so- seems like she's in a similar state that Gregory yeah. finds himself in eventually, uh, where she's staring off into space. She's not reacting to anything, and Jock proceeds to grope her.
0: Yeah, like full on sexually harasses woman in front of everyone. And the crazy thing is, like, no one reacts to it. No one... He kind of talks about it like, oh, she's just here, you can just do whatever.
1: I I thought he was being... Uh, he was being impish when he called the politicians and bankers perverts. But no.
0: No. That's Not clearly him. exactly what they are. So then, after the party, Mira goes missing. And that's kind of the big impetus for for greg's journey throughout this film is him uh with the assistance of jacques and jessica trying to figure out where is where is mira gone she hasn't taken any of her clothes she's left her passport everything behind and they go on this mission to to try and find out what happened to her
1: yeah uh they they do get the police involved eventually and the the cops just say ah you know it's hard to understand woman sometimes they just you know they just disappear you know it's it's just tough yeah, it's just tough you know just just um, don't I mean don't read into it. it's just your yeah, woman woman go away it's right.
0: yeah okay. the the police commissioner at one point says like, come on man, this is Prague. hundreds of women go missing here I like dude, that is not something you want to put on your tourism brochure.
1: That seems actually like a you problem Mr. Commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> it, sure. it really does. <laughs> like
0: aren't you supposed to be the one to make sure that doesn't happen
1: yeah you seem not at all con- concerned uh, and it reminds me of uh, the Canadian police uh, during Willie Picton's serial killing career yeah. where uh, sex workers used to go missing all the time and you know the cops just had this attitude attitude of no it's fine sex workers tend to go missing yeah but that's your job though one and one's not mm. coming together on this so that was quite interesting and then we also feel like there's some sort of corruption here because the cops are yeah. actively they're coming after gregory he's investigating they're like dude you need to stop invest your investigation there's nothing to find here and that is a clear indication that there is something to find here
0: yeah yeah absolutely when the the police chief in the fascist trench coat tells you to stop you need to not stop
1: yeah does it work out for gregory Hmm. Uh, only time will tell yeah
0: let's find out in about five minutes
1: (laughs) so uh, i i feel like this is a good place for it but there's a tagline for this movie can a reporter with no visible signs of life solve this pervasive puzzle (laughs) before he meets his ultimate deadline And the answer is no.
0: (laughs) No, he can't. Uh, (laughs) That's that's the big twist. (laughs) He can't. That sounds like um, a riddle. Yeah. Or a Zen (laughs) koan, a reporter with no outward signs of (laughs) life. That's great. But so, our good friend Greg takes the hint from the police chief about other women going missing and starts to do some investigating which is where his uh, investigation seems to turn from being merely about finding Mira and becoming more and more about finding out what exactly is going on in the city that all these women are disappearing and nobody seems to care.
1: So he uh, follows up on some leads. He discovers uh, another family whose daughter went missing. He goes to them and knocks on their door, girl's mother or the woman's mother answers the door and she is immediately hostile. She does not want any part of Greg's investigation. She doesn't want to give him any information. She just wants him to go away. She insists that her daughter is a bad person or whatever. And from inside the apartment, Greg hears an old man calling out something like, Don't listen to her. They're hiding something. Uh, quickly followed by a loud smack and a, a burly Prague man. I don't know, what, Where is Prague by the way? Is it, it's the Czech Republic right? Exactly. Alright, so a burly uh, Czech man comes up and slams the door shut in Greg's face. Greg then goes on to bribe a small boy to pass a note to the old man. The old man replies. Greg should meet him at the train train yard late at night alone Greg does so but just as he sees the old man oh. someone rushes up tips the old man there's a lot of bridge tipping in this movie there is tips the old man over the old man goes for a tumble onto the tracks gets squished real bad surprisingly well, really. he doesn't get chopped up by a train he just bumps his head and dies because old people <laughs> are vulnerable to fall damage <laughs> like most
0: people. Right,
1: yeah. The the old man his dying words are they don't let them fly.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, dude, this is like literally your last breath. Couldn't you give me something a little bit more useful? Like this like is their name. address.
1: Yeah, yeah. He had to be cryptic uh for for suspense. And this brings us back to a gift that Mira gave Greg. Uh, when she just got to his apartment, the gift of a framed kind of uh, display case of these rare butterflies. And the great irony of these butterflies are that they have these massive beautiful wings, but they are unable to fly, so they're condemned to sort of hopping around in the underbrush. Uh, And that's where the the original title of Short Nights of the Butterflies really starts making a bit more sense. Once we get to the conclusion.
0: Even though the night is pretty long.
1: Yeah, it seems more like a week. of, yeah. Like a, a long week of butterflies. <laughs> the
0: long work week of uh, <laughs> butter hops.
1: Of ho- yeah, yeah, butter hops.
0: The old man who died on the train tracks, he finds a card or like a... It is a card, I guess, of yeah. something called Club... 99 spelled with a k oh. so you know it's sinister yeah Klub. 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 <laughs> it does feel kind of German right they even print it in like a like a gothic font
1: yeah it it does have that vibe uh, so uh, Gregory goes to Club 99 he breaks in they're having some sort of classical music performance Uh, he's not very interested in that, so he sneaks off deeper into the the club and gets accosted by the, like, literally hunchbacked servant. Yeah. Which I was like, could this movie be more stereotypical? (laughs) He's just like, get away,
0: stranger, get away! (laughs) Stranger danger!
1: Stranger (laughs) (laughs) danger!
0: And we discover, uh, Greg does not discover this, but we see the corpse or the you know similarly paralyzed body of Mira lying
1: in a
0: cupboard, uh, cupboard a in flower flowers. arrangement
1: yeah um, but this is my question to you Louis is if this is all part of Greg's flashback how do we discover Mira's body when Greg never discovered her body again it's like one and one don't get quite to each other and I'm not touching. Mm. Mm. Whatever, it builds the tension. Greg comes up empty-handed, he has to leave. Later on, he gets a tip, a hot tip from Jacques. So Jacques says he's gonna meet Greg at Club 99. 99. Yeah. Uh, uh, and um Jacques is promptly murdered uh before Greg can get there.
0: Is he? Murdered, what happens to his body? Where do they find him? Do we ever see him again?
1: So, what happens is that Greg shows up at Club 99. He's like, Jacques, Jacques, where are you? Uh, and Jacques is not there, so he hears someone like rushing around, uh, with like wooden shoes on, which I guess was the fashion of the day the clip de clop of a man running. Uh, he decides to chase after this guy, so he gets running. And he's like, "Jacques, is that you? Why are we playing hide and go seek?" Which uh that's not what he said, but that's what I assume. Uh and then as he passes by a dumpster, he sort of nudges the lid uh, off yeah. and then we see Jacques like in a garbage can like the Muppet like the
0: garbage Muppet.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Grover? I don't Grover. know. No, uh, I think it's Gonzo, great. like like journalism. Like uh, uh anyway. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> so so uh Greg chases off, he gets into Club 99, and he discovers just the biggest orgy. The what? Wow. Like like maximum over-orgy type of orgy business.
0: So the, the people involved in this orgy are all the old rich people we've been seeing at the party... At the uh, chamber concerto the first time he kind of breaks into the club all these old people are just fucking
1: just (laughs) well at first they're just swaying and then you know as they bump into each other they're like oh right that's that's how the orgy works and they start getting down to business in the center of the orgy there is an altar altar and there's a, a young woman sort of writhing on the altar, and uh, she's sort of moaning and seems to be caught up in the energy of the the evening. (laughs) It's a great euphemism. Greg thinks it's Mira because at this point Greg is actively hallucinating. Uh, His demeanor changes from the beginning of his flashbacks to here. He becomes less confident, less collected, and he's really sweating a lot
0: it's really getting to him
1: yeah he gets confronted by sort of the the elite a man named Velinsky, whose party it was where mira in the first place was identified by this cult yeah and greg gets hypnotized by at this point a stranger to us uh and that's how he ends up in his cataleptic state yeah it's it's almost like a
0: like a group hypnosis in a sense where all the different rich people kind of loom into frame and say something sort of uh, insidious and then loom yeah. back and the next face
1: comes in. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that just the way rich people talk?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is. I think this is a documentary,
1: right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I read it as such right but let's let's wrap this up so then uh greg gets he wakes up dead (laughs) and and we get into like the framing narrative which is kind of greg's journey to the autopsy table Mm. now he's not showing any signs of rigidity uh you know he his body uh, has still retained some lividity so his friend uh, Ivan, a doctor, is trying everything he can yeah. to help Greg and to bring him out of the state. It's uh, because he's, oh, so bizarre, this whole thing. Maybe he doesn't realize that there is a condition called catalepsy, but he does, however, realize that a dead person should not be that loosey-goosey yeah so ivan tries everything he can eventually has to call in dr karting who is a a professor who recently uh, demonstrated that tomatoes can feel pain right before he crushed said tomato to illustrate how much pain a tomato can feel which unsurprisingly is the pain of being crushed and then dr karting offers to perform the autopsy himself at a like sort of a at a lecture uh, uh, at a lecture he's gonna have yeah it's it doesn't seem super respectful no just for the record louis if i was a doctor and i was trying to save you and you were declared dead i would not be okay with you being autopsied as part of a lecture
0: thanks that means a lot to me
1: right so right at the end right when Professor Carting is about to make the incision into Greg's heart. Greg starts to retain, uh, or he starts to come to from this this cataleptic state he's in. Yeah. Also, at that point, he discovers that Doctor Karting was the magician that hypnotized him and high priest of the the elite of Club ninety nine. Club, club. Yeah, and then Greg sort of his one hand comes to. And he's trying to fight back, but Karting pushes the hand down and just destroys his just heart with a scalpel. Just sticks it in. A- and that's the end of the movie.
0: Yeah, that is the end of the film. We just see Jessica screaming, and then the credits roll.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, it's quite interesting because his whole lecture is about how to do heart surgery, and he gives this whole speech about how very, very careful you have to be not to damage the heart. Yeah. But he's, he's training these doctors that to begin... heart surgery you need to plunge the scalpel directly into the heart
1: i think what he said is he's going to illustrate what you shouldn't do uh (laughs) right up top he was like um so today's lecture is everything i do bad medical practice
0: okay it seems like just stabbing your patient would be an obvious bad medical practice
1: this was the 70s though so yeah that's true probably like ashing in your kidneys and <laughs> Le- just put the ashtray in, cavet- in the cavity in the cavity of the body and just uh... <laughs> accidentally sew up a bottle of jack daniels when you <laughs> uh, just leave- remember to leave the cap off otherwise it's not fun uh,
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's the film let's talk about it talk about it talk about it
1: uh, the first thing I want to talk about is basically a metaphor that I I saw of Greg's a foreign reporter right he's from America apparently and he's
0: played by a French actor
1: played by a French actor and in an Italian it, he's form, very Italian shot in Prague yeah so you know it's all it's all pretty straightforward stuff Greg ends up powerless to uh, oppose the, the ruling regime in Prague, which metaphorically in this instance would be, and quite literally the cult is, the communist rulers of Prague. I
0: wonder I wonder if I'm going to disagree with you.
1: And basically his cataleptic state is metaphoric of a foreigner's inability and lack of power to effect regime change on their own in a regime that opposes them personally or you know for instance if if someone goes into a country and they're like oh i don't like your government and they personally try to take on the government they're gonna get taken down
0: yeah like if you were
1: to now start a series of sweeping protests
0: across china
1: which for the record i'm not planning on doing i want to keep a low profile here If you're listening, that that is she.
0: Fraser is not planning to overthrow you.
1: I'm very happy here, and you're doing a good job. Everything is super great.
0: Um, Yeah. I think... I mostly agree with you, but I feel like there are kind of two powers being represented. That the police commissioner and his cronies are the direct representatives of state power, and that... Mm -hmm. The elites, the Club 99 guys, who are all like really wealthy, really like almost aristocratic in their demeanor and their dress, that they kind of represent a a sort of a hidden power underneath state power, a softer power. Corruption. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) All right. So it's basically the pure state versus corruption.
0: Or both of those entities
1: versus... Greg, the individual. Greg. Uh, <laughs> uh, they never refer to him as Greg but it just sort of it makes him seem like more of a human being if you're just like ah you know Greg, Oh, Greg. Greg couldn't take on the elites of Prague.
0: Yeah, no they call him Gregory.
1: Gregory. <laughs> It was kind of tough watching this movie because I, I had to watch it with uh, subtitles. I had to mm. read everything. So while I was taking notes, I had to pause the movie yeah. every single time. They are like, oh, God, what that?
0: And this film, like, I mean, you and I, we're used to watching subtitled films. We're very, very cultured. Very. But this film, actually, it has, a, like, a really slow pace. But for some reason, the dialogue is so quick that you kind of struggle to catch the subtitle and the actual image at the same time
1: there's a lot of italian flair when they're talking you know it's very busy and very like (laughs) wow look at me i'm speaking and words are important I, i fully agree with you though that the the club 99 uh cult members do sort of represent an undermining of state power because the state would want these disappearances investigated, the leader of Club 99, Mr. Velsinsky or something? Uh, Valinsky. So the leader, Mr. Velinsky, he is controlling the police commissioner. He's sort of in control of the city at mm-hmm. this point, uh, which turns it into that classic Giallo hellscape where this movie lacks the, the rich color of many of the later Giallo films. Yeah there's also a lack of gore and it's really only the setting and the mystery element and the surrealism brought into it that makes a giallo where if you look at a much later film like suspiria yeah that was kind of gory very very visually stimulating very surreal but like aggressively surreal where this sort of short night of Glass Dolls is more creating an atmosphere of tension and unease, mm. and just sort of making the world just a little bit too weird to be real. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I think yeah they put they put their locations to great use for that, because Prague. I mean, I've never been, so I don't know in reality, but in this film seems to be like a very dark place, a lot of winding little roads. Like the buildings kind of looming over the narrow streets. So it seems perfect to have this investigation play off in this kind of labyrinthine city.
1: Yeah, it is also uh, the fact that Greg struggles to remember. It makes it seem like his mind itself becomes a labyrinth.
0: So yeah, we have the two narratives. The one where he's in the morgue, one where he's doing the investigation. But oftentimes before we go from the morgue to the flashbacks, we have these really super rapid cuts and very close-up shots of a bunch of different stuff from throughout the timeline. And that seems to kind of maybe reinforce his confusion at, at what's happening. Yeah. And also, yeah. after he gets chucked off the bridge, he gets really, like,
1: dreamy, in
0: a sense. Like,
1: Yeah, he, his thoughts become very disjointed, and his um, he loses the the cocky confidence that he had that we know from stereotypes that all americans have (laughs) but we actually okay we didn't really describe the the scene on the bridge where the second bridge tipping happens yeah but uh greg is sort of walking up on this bridge and there's this hippie guy singing a really bad song about
0: and a weird song
1: yeah, and it's all about like, oh, I was watching my face, and then there was blood in the basin, and it was my blood. And then it started raining blood. And then it was raining blood. And then why won't the you rain. let the butterflies fly? Yeah, people drank the rain, and then they burst. And it was, uh, it sounded like someone describing a dream they had while they were on mushrooms. Yeah. But Greg is sort of entranced by this music. He goes to stand on the side of the bridge, and we get this really quick cut of a guy coming up, grabbing like schoolboy tactics, grabbing Greg by his ankles, and just tipping him over the bridge. And then I was I honestly thought for one second that because there's this guy who's been following Greg Mm. and Greg's aware of it. And then I honestly thought Greg saw the guy, he darted in and he tipped him over. Oh yeah. Right before that scene. Right before that scene, it's it's his stalker standing at the edge of the bridge, and then you yeah. just a quick cut. Someone gets tipped. Next thing you know, uh Greg's in the police commissioner's office. He's For a second, a I towel. thought he,
0: he'd maybe died. But I mean, that would be re- he just tipped him into water. That wasn't gonna kill him.
1: Yeah, I guess it's cold in Europe.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it does look like he's he's on the point of kind of getting hypothermia or something
1: yeah it's at this point that he isn't coherent at all anymore and he's completely in the power of club 99.
0: yeah he's just i have to i have to go i have to find the butterflies where are the butterflies they
1: can't fly yeah i have to go (laughs) why can't they fly someone (laughs) let them fly the music the the man with the the guitar
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, I don't. Everyone's just like, okay, you just go home. <laughs>
1: yeah. What I really liked about this movie is that it is giallo, but it hasn't been tait- tainted by the excess of giallo yet. Yeah. Where the setting, I mean, it's it's rich people, it's the elite. Uh, you know, they're beautiful women, the high fashion everything's there, and also Prague being such a beautiful place. Yeah. I've never been, but at least it looks very Next beautiful. Yeah. Um, the setting, the the tone of the film, everything is very giallo, but it's subtle, and mm. it's, in a way, I would say it's more cerebral than what giallo eventually became yeah. as, as kind of the precursor to the modern slasher film.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I feel like the the kind of the decadent elite in this one serves much more of a narrative and thematic purpose than than maybe in, like, some of Bava's stuff.
1: Yeah, where it just... That's where the, these things happen. Yeah. What I also liked was that there was an overwhelmingly male victim set in this movie where in many other Giallo films, it's only females dying. But in this in this movie, there's like two females that die and four males that die which is really it flips the whole script on what we usually see in a giada
0: and the deaths of the women aren't like as you know closely focused on and kind of fetishized and um, sort of like aestheticized yeah or none of the deaths are actually I don't think.
1: That's the thing, is it? it hasn't given itself over to the gore, and it's not relying on violence in that way, Um, which I feel is kind of... And also, this is early giallo, so I feel this is closer to the core values uh, that that identify something as giallo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's because even though it is very unlike uh, the other giallos we've done, it is clearly giallo it's not anything else
1: yeah yeah it is it's got that that feeling to me giallo is a sense that you get like i can watch a trailer for a film and be like oh you know that's whatever or i can be like holy shit this is giallo <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe we do need to do a, a spin off cast uh, a the giallo bellied or old giallo. <laughs> yeah
1: maybe um yeah, but definitely, I mean, in future, we'll try and thin out the, the giallo. I was very excited for this film, though, because it is like it is like one of those seminal works in, in the history of giallo. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I saw in just the, the way that Club 99 worked, because how they worked was that they would recruit these young women and tempt them with mm. sex and money. And i said here that it becomes a powerful metaphor for the corruption of the youth by the status quo giving them money and sex in return for their abandonment of progressive thought. because club 99 is all about they don't want change they want the old way to remain because they are the old way yeah and you know that's that's the thing is that the youth gets corrupted by that because the people in power the people with money are the old thinkers yeah if you want the if you want their money you're gonna have to ally yourself with them and you're gonna to have to give up the youthful drive for innovation and advancement yeah and uh you know if you don't give over to them if you
0: don't accept the money or the sex or the status then they remove your choice so to speak which is like you know the butterflies can't fly sort of thing What I find quite interesting is that, uh, you know, what they gave Greg, you know, paralyzed his body, but his mind was still alive, whereas what they gave to Mira seemed that it killed her consciousness, but her body was still reactive and writhing and, you know, doing things. So it seems, you know, there's like, depending on what kind of result they want out of you, yeah. They attack a different part of you.
1: That is true. Yeah, and it just brings it back to the people that they want. They're going to kill your uh, imagination. Basically lobotomize you. Yeah. And the people that they don't want. Man, they're going to block you so hard. You're going to feel like you're trapped inside your own body.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think, that really intense, very deep sense of isolation. Obviously, that Greg feels. Is mirrored throughout the film, actually. Like, all of these characters seem... To be very self-centered self-interested like uh jacques and jessica they're helping and they're doing things but quite often they're like dude just drop it can't you just leave it forget about it yeah. jessica is trying to kind of rekindle their romance while he's looking for his probably dead girlfriend which is a little insensitive jacques just wants to get wasted
1: yeah, yeah. And I can res- respect Jacques in this. Um, I mean, I he's a, he is a disgusting misogynist, but, you know, he looks like a fun guy. Yeah, uh,
0: which might say a lot about disgusting misogynists.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. He looks very, he's very charismatic on screen.
0: That kind of isolation and kind of atomization of their group, you know, also reflects that in this society, you have to take care of yourself first because otherwise you're gonna end up like Greg or or
1: um, Mira. At its core, it's the same as you can feel like uh, the people around you are moving towards your the same goals as you, but they're doing it for different reasons. Mm. you know everyone is fundamentally on their own journey and they have their own motivations where you might feel united now but you know in a week's time shit changes yeah absolutely
0: oh another like little interesting just kind of visual motif i guess that i liked was that the surgical bed that he's on at the end really resembles the sacrificial altar yeah so there's something in there about like the mixing of the weird occult stuff and the very scientific side
1: yeah and in the end greg's the only person we actually see dying on the altar
0: oh yeah actually right
1: yeah i mean the previous uh woman who greg thought was mira but then her face changed and wasn't mira she didn't die on the altar she well, at least not that we saw. Yeah, she just... We don't actually know what a, happens.
0: What looked like a really great orgasm on the altar.
1: Which is fine, I guess, if that's, yeah. your, if that's your thing. If you're yeah.
0: into orgasms.
1: Yeah, who isn't? <laughs> that's pretty much all I had to say.
0: Yeah, I guess we could spend a little bit more time on the aesthetic. It's a much more muted look than the other giallo's but still has that almost saturated feeling. Like there's a lot of stuff and a lot of like nice stuff. Yeah. A couple of really great shots that stood out to me. The telephone box alone in the plaza with just a single blue light in it looked beautiful. Yeah, some really great cinematography in this one as well.
1: I also just wanted to say that uh, Greg's condition is... I've been using the word throughout the episode but it is called catalepsy it's kind of like sleep paralysis in a way but just it's not entirely the same because you're fully conscious uh, but you are completely trapped within your own body and also your life signs are very muted and they speculate that this condition contributed heavily quite heavily to the vampire panic that happened in Uh, Europe back in the day
0: Uh, like people got it and then people thought they were dead and then when they woke up they were like oh no
1: you're dead Oh God, you're the undead yeah Uh, and also where the classic story of people being buried alive came from
0: oh yeah and people who had
1: bells installed in their graves which you know if I would allow my body to be buried in that way I would definitely have definitely a bell. get one of them bells. Yeah, and a breathing tube. And also another tube that they can just slide slide McDonald's down and a flat screen TV. Me. Actually
0: don't dig me flat up. Just TV. leave me down here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Just leave me build a bunker and just just, just <laughs> let me let me live out my, my my death like a pharaoh of old. Louis, if you had to rate this movie out of one to five short nights of glass dolls. Mm. How many short nights would you give to the glass doll?
0: I'd I'd give the glass dolls four nights um, But then they're out of there. That's all they get
1: get out of here. You glass (laughs) dolls Stranger, stranger get out stranger interloper interloper
0: Strangie (laughs) strangie That's like (laughs)
1: like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Strangie strange.
1: it reminds me of uh, the Hunchback of Notre-Dame Notre going, Sanctuary! Yeah. <laughs> sanctuary! How many short nights would you give these glass dolls? I, because I feel like this, I mean, Suspiria is going to be my favorite uh, for a long time, but this is a close second to Suspiria uh, in terms of Giallo that I've watched, because I feel it's more true to the core of Giallo. Uh mm where suspiria is just i mean it's a masterwork and uh it's just so beautiful to watch but i feel like in terms of script and just understanding giallo this film really takes the cake yeah so i would also give it four nights of glass dolls and then you know if the glass dolls want to want to extend Their visit, I would let them, but they would have to pay
0: renegotiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. That's it. Un, I, I think our first unanimous verdict.
1: Four out of yeah, eighty percent. Good job. Short night of glass dolls and Aldo Lado.
0: Yeah, that's something they're gonna put on the next Blu-ray release case four out of they, five they definitely should. positive
1: we're we're tough critics man yeah
0: we are we are right we are we
1: are we are yeah 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 we're we're not we're in no way are we uh highly sub like subjective no. in our views and arbitrarily rating things we take this very seriously we actually do we, no, but uh, we actually. at least I yeah yeah
0: and we also take ourselves very seriously. I actually don't, <laughs> but
1: <laughs> all right, so next time on Be Positive here it comes. Deep red. Deep red. What's this?
0: What's this yeah. one?
1: I oh, forgot. It's another yeah. Giallo.
0: You're... I swear I swear it no, is. I think oh it's God, Antonioni. No. I don't know. Just make sure. No. But I think it might
1: be... If it is, I'm going to cut this part out and just, like, re-roll the <laughs> dice.
0: Well, don't cut it out. We've done a whole thing now.
1: Yeah, we have done a whole thing. All right. If Deep Red turns out to be another giallo, then maybe... we don't watch it. And screw the universe.
0: <laughs> I think we need to start, you know, uh, intervening in the universe's plans. I feel like we can't just go through life in a paralytic state anymore yeah
1: yeah and we can't we can't always be gregory moore sometimes we have to be positive <laughs>
0: <laughs> chef's kiss
1: you can find us on twitter at stay scary uh we're be positive on twitter you can find us on facebook also at Stay Scary, we're Be Positive the podcast on Facebook. Uh, reach out to us, talk to us. You can tweet at us. I uh, yeah. follow the hashtag at Stay Scary or just you know hashtag Stay Scary. And I'm pretty sure on tw- on Facebook also, yeah, we are literally at Stay Scary. So if you just stay if you just tag us in something, we'll probably get a notification, and you know we'll we'll comment on your shit, and yeah. then you'll be like, whoa, look at this famous podcast talking to me.
0: And hey, listen. You, you don't have to talk to us. You really don't. But I would really appreciate it. And I'm sure Fraser would appreciate it. That if you know a friend who's into uh, B-grade films, or even indie movies, you know, either which way, and they're also podcast listeners, tell them about our podcast. Tell them, hey, maybe maybe you'll be into this. Don't tell your friends who don't listen to podcasts or who hate films. They're, they're not going to care. But tell your friends yeah. that are into it. And... Um, I think maybe that's the best way of of growing
1: the audience growing the community also what you can do is you can strap one of your friends down to a table Mm -hmm. uh with a lot of straps and then you can put earphones in their head and with their phone download all our episodes and let just let that shit run on a loop
0: yeah that's perfect. so we
1: get get those listens and then eventually once you let them out after six weeks you tell them to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or, I don't know, Stitcher, where wherever you get your podcasts. We gotta, we just, it'll help us to get, reach more people and to grow the audience. And, you know, I, th- I feel like, I feel like some, there are people who enjoy what we do and I enjoy what we do. I, I enjoy so, what we do. So, you know, let's help each other out. The old reach around fallacy. <laughs> And on that note, you stay scary,
0: damn um, spooky, just like Mama used to make.
1: Why <makes> chef's kiss? <laughs> chef's kiss. Uh, why do chefs kiss like that? Are they just like? Are they sneakily licking sauce off their fingers? From under their fingernails, in fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause you know chef's got them long fingernails. Oh yeah, they gotta scratch around in the pot. They really oh. gotta get oh. into it. Really get the grime off. all. You gotta.